been in a series called Red Letter Edition. We're looking at some of the incredibly powerful things that Jesus said. And out of all of the messages in this series that I've done thus far, today is the one that I think probably will be uh, absolutely applicable across the board to each and every one of us, and, um, and even for some people that I know that may come to your mind today. Well, I want to look at the passage from Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. This is from the New Living Translation. You can track along with me while I read the story for you. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and they took off some tiles. They lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law thought to themselves, said to themselves, well, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, stand up? Pick up your, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. And everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. If you were to ask me, um, Pastor Steve, what would you say would be the one thing that people need today? What would you say would be the one thing in, in the encounters you have with people uh, here in Oklahoma City or wh where you travel? What, what, is there one common thing that you see so many people need? I would say yes, and it's this. They need healing. They need healing. We need healing. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, in the Old Testament, God revealed himself to us as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals us. When God came in the flesh as Jesus Christ, the, the strongest part of his ministry everywhere he went was he healed people everywhere. But one of the amazing things that you see, and, and it comes out so clear in this story, is that he is not just a healer who can heal our bodies. He's a God who can heal those things that are on the inside as well. Jesus is the complete healer. Can we unpack that together today? Well, follow with me. Track with me on your outline. When I begin to think about this whole idea of, of, of Christ being our healer, I begin to think about, you know, what does that really mean for us? And you can see which one may be applicable for you. God can heal us physically. 
God can heal us physically. You know, in this story, you, you see a man who is lame, and Christ heals him and gives him the ability to walk. And here's what I believe. I believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Now, just in the way of testimony, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a mic because I know how much you guys like to talk. But with, just with a show of hands, how many of you could, could, could honestly testify that somewhere in your journey of faith, God has healed you in a profound and miraculous way. He has healed you physically in some manner somewhere on the journey. How many of you could testify to that? Look at the hands. Hold them up high. Yeah, look at, look at the hands. So what I want to say to you today is if you came today and, and you've, there's something going on for you physically, or if you're watching online and there's something going on for you and, and you've, been, you've been troubled by it, here's what you need to know. Our God is still a healer. I, look at the, I love the passage in Matthew chapter 15, verse 30. It said, a vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others, and they laid them before Jesus. Now read it out loud. And he healed them. And he healed them. One more time. And he healed them all. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what your need. The God who made your body can heal your body. Amen? I saw this story last week. Throw that picture up for me, would you? This is uh, this young little 10-year-old. His name is Brendan. Brendan lives up in Michigan. Uh, two years ago, December 18th, Brendan was uh, playing out in his front lawn uh, out in the rural area of Michigan, and um, there was a, a combine coming down the road, big old combine, and and Brendan got up close to the road. He loves, he loves combines growing up around the farm. He loves that stuff. So he got out there and he was, he was watching it. And he got out, you know, kind of stepped out into the road to, to wave at the guy driving the combine. Well, what Brent, Brendan didn't know was that there was a guy in a minivan behind the combine who was getting tired of this combine driving so slow. And about the time Brendan stepped out onto the road, this minivan swung out to pass that combine and hit little Brendan. Knocked him 70 feet. Brendan suffered uh, several broken bones, uh, both legs, uh, several ribs, broke several bones in his face, suffered severe head trauma. He also suffered uh, a tear in his kidney, a tear in his liver, and a tear in his heart. Um, they immediately uh, transported him to Lansing Hospital and took him into surgery and he was, he was bleeding so severely internally that the doctors told the parents when they took him in, we're going we're gonna to do our best, but we can't really give you any kind of hope. Brendan's parents, who had already been praying, began to call their prayer chain at church. They began to call people that they know and they said, if you believe in the power of prayer, would you please pray for our little boy? Brendan was in surgery for 10 hours. And at one point in the surgery, as the bleeding internally continued, he basically bled out internally and his heart stopped beating. And the surgeon had to literally take Brendan's heart in his hand and squeeze it for 20 minutes. He had to keep Brendan's heart pumping. They did the best they could do to repair his heart, to repair his kidneys, to do the things that they needed to do to get the bleeding stopped. Finally, 10 hours in the surgery, they were able to do that. He was still suffering from bleeding on the brain. Uh, he had so, injuries were so severe 
when the surgeons came out, they told Brendan's parents, they said, you know, he's, he's, you know, we're, we're done. We've done what we could do right now. He's in a coma and, and we got to be honest with you. It's, it, it'll be just an act of God that he'll live through the night. He, he's just so severely injured. Throw that next picture up on the screen. So a picture of Brendan when he was there in the hospital. And the people continued to pray. And Brendan laid in a coma for four to five days. And four to five days later, Brendan opened his eyes to the amazement of everyone. And weakly gave his mother a smile and a little thumbs up. And Brendan began to heal. And to the doctor's utter amazement, not only did Brendan's surgeries heal, not only did the bleeding on his brain stop and his head begin to heal, but his bones began to mend. And Brendan was in, he was in ICU there for several days, went right into a regular hospital room and into rehab, I think total of four weeks that he was in the hospital there. But to the amazement of everyone, this little boy who they said, if he survives, he won't be able to speak. If he survives, he'll be a vegetable the rest of his life. If he survives, he won't be able to do any of the things that he used to do. Throw that next picture up on the screen. He proved them all wrong. And this little boy completely recovered in a quick amount of time, all to the glory of God. Now, here's what I, just look at me for a second. I just want you to hear my heart. When we talk about our God being a healer, he really is a healer. And I know we have great modern medicine. I know we have lots of great things at our disposal. And I am so thankful for each and every one of those. But I know this too. Our Jesus Christ can still touch bodies and make them well. And I believe he can touch yours. Amen? Bet you. God can heal us emotionally. God can heal us emotionally. Some of you have heard me share just a little bit of my own, my own story of, of, of growing up, and I know many of you have a story similar to mine, or stories that, uh, of, of a complicated past, a story of growing up in homes where perhaps you were abused or neglected. Some of you have gone through trauma in your life, and I guarantee you, I know in this audience today, there are several of us sitting here, and some of the, our healing that we need is an emotional healing because we suffer from damaged emotions. Some of us have a past that has deeply scarred us. And I know that there are times we wonder, can I ever be healed of this? And here's what I want you to know. This God who can touch you on the outside, he can also heal you on the inside. He has the ability to heal that scar tissue and bring healing to those, to those damaged emotions. Um, I love in, 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 in Mark chapter 5, there's a, there's a great story about Jesus where he comes to this uh, land of the Gerasenes and, and they, there's a guy who they describe as a demoniac that is just out of control. And uh, this guy who is filled with, filled with demons and nobody can control him. He lives out among the tombs and in the caves. He's a wild man and Jesus and them encounter him. Now, what you may not know about that particular area was that was an area that served the god Moloch. And a part of their rituals were that they believed in child sacrifice. 
And children were often offered up to their gods, and they were often killed. Sometimes they were mutilated, sometimes good. So you can only begin to imagine that in a land like that, that there were a lot of people who grew up uh, having been severely, horribly abused and all of this. Now, again, so just want you to hear my heart. You know, as, as the Bible's telling this story, perhaps, perhaps he did have demons that were of Satan that were possessing him. But it's also possible but that what he really suffered was, some was, with so severely damaged emotion that he he suffered from a multiple personality disorder. You remember what he said to Jesus when Jesus when Jesus said, "What is your name?" He said, "My our name my name is Legion because we are many." And sometimes when people suffer severe trauma, the mind separates itself from reality to be able to put up with what's going on, which is how that DID disorder begins to develop. And it's possible that that was really what was going on for this guy. But it doesn't matter because whether he was possessed by demons or whether he was suffering from the severe DID disorder, Jesus cast the demons out, healed the man, and took care of that damaged internal part of him. In fact, I I love how it describes him when people who had seen this go on, they they couldn't believe what happened because when they came to see what took place, look at Mark chapter 5, verse 15. Read it with me. He was sitting there fully clothed and, and what? Perfectly sane. Now, how many of you have some relatives you hope Jesus will touch that way? Yeah, 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 because they're not perfectly sane. Yeah, yeah, and that's the cool part. Our God is not only a God who can heal our bodies, he's a God who can heal our damaged emotions. Can I give you another one? Our God can heal us relationally. He can heal us relationally. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul was writing to the church, and he's, he's talking about what Jesus can do between the Jews and the Gentiles who live some separate lives. But I think this is applicable across a broader sense. In Ephesians 2, 14, read it with me. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He has made peace between us, breaking down the wall of contempt that used to separate us. Now, look at me. Here's what I want you to understand. This God who made us and made us to be community is also a God who can heal the relational scar tissue that exists between us. I don't care if it's, it's between husbands and wives, if it's between siblings, or if it's between friends. This God who can heal our bodies and touch our damaged emotions can also bring us together, tear down the dividing walls, and heal us relationally. And I, I guarantee you this, there are some of us sitting in this room, that's, that's the touch we need today. You know, because we're at odds with somebody. And we need God to heal that. There are things that we've tried to do that we can't do, and we need God to tear down walls that we're not able to do with our bare hands. Can we agree with this? It, it, that's what we need God to do in our country today. We need God to tear down some walls between us. And again, I know we've got elections coming up, and, 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 and everybody's got opinions about what, and, I, and that's great, and, and all that kind of stuff. But can I be really honest with you? My hope is not in a political party. My hope is not in a presidential candidate. My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is the only one who can bring healing to our land. That's where my hope exists. I love, I I saw this last week, and I just thought this was so cool. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That uh, National Guardsman there, his name is Dan Otterson. 
Dan was with the team that was at the Kentucky Derby uh, on that weekend uh, to uh, kind of help keep peace. There were a lot of protests going on, and, and he was there to, to protect that area, to protect the people. And, and uh, some of you have seen on the news, have seen the protests that have gone on, and sometimes the, the violence and things that have, have also gone along with that. But this, this was so interesting. Dan said as he, as he watched the crowd uh, on this particular day, he said there were a lot of protesters. He noticed that there was a woman uh, an African-American gal and who looked a, a little bit older, who was kind of in the back, kind of separated from where the protesters were, and she was there, and she had several kids with her. And uh, she kind of just hung out there, wasn't a part of the act of protesting that was going on. Uh, and he said, as the, as the crowd began to thin out, the protesters began to thin out, said this lady made her way up to the fence and asked him to come over. And when he got over to her, he, she said, my five-year-old grandson... Ask me if he could pray for you. And so Dan said, sure. And this little boy walked over to the fence. And I want, I want, you, to hear, I want you to hear this from, from, from Dan himself. I just thought this was so cool. Dan wrote, I, I could see this little boy was so timid. And so I approached him and I got down on one knee and I introduced myself and I asked him if he wanted to pray. And he said, what happened next? was worth every second of our weekend. He said, this little boy prayed harder and with more conviction than I've ever seen anyone pray with in my life. He prayed for my team. He prayed for me. He prayed for our safety. He didn't care about color. He didn't care about occupation. He just wanted us to be safe, and he prayed that we would have a hedge of protection around us. He said that that moment, he said that moment made a huge impact on me. He said in a, in a, in a world full of aggression and, intent, and intention, that this little boy showed that there is still love and compassion regardless of skin color, gender, or how you feel about my occupation. He said, I may never see that little boy again, but I know he was sent to me in that moment to keep us safe. Jesus Christ can tear down every dividing wall of hostility. He can bring healing to us relationally. Amen? Amen. God can heal us spiritually. God can heal us spiritually. I find it interesting, and I'll, come, I'll circle back to this a little later, but I find it interesting that when this guy came to Jesus, he, he was lame, but Jesus said to him what? Your sins are forgiven. Now, we don't know anything about this guy. We don't know anything about his background. We don't know, you know, what, what his past was like. Uh, we, we don't know what kind of life he had lived up till now. We don't know what kind of sins he had committed. But it didn't matter because the Bible says where sin does abound, there grace does much more abound. And, and you need to hear that, that those same words that Jesus spoke to him, he can speak to you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been. I, I don't care what has happened up into your life up till now. Here's what I know. Whenever you call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is able to meet you and his grace is greater than all of your sin. I love how Paul wrote it to the Colossians. He said, for Christ's death on the cross made peace with God for all by his blood. Read it with me, church. And this includes you who were once so far from God. He can heal us spiritually. 
when I was reading this text uh, this week and working on this message, and I began to think about the ways God would heal us, something I'd never thought about before from this story hit me. And I thought, oh, I got to share that because I know that's probably something some of us need. Maybe no one in this room, but somewhere out there, I guarantee you. And that is God can heal us attitudinally. God can heal us attitudinally. One of the things that hit me was as Jesus was speaking healing to this lame man on a mat, how he also had Pharisees who were sitting there who were looking down their noses at everybody else in the room, and particularly Jesus, and they had no idea that this Jesus who was healing them, he really needed to heal those Pharisees too. And I thought about the fact that, you know, sometimes, again, maybe not for you, but I guarantee you for, for some of us, we need, we need Jesus to heal our negative attitudes. We need Jesus to heal our pessimistic outlooks. We need Jesus to heal our critical hearts. We need Jesus to heal our cynical spirits. We need Jesus to heal the bitterness that we have. We need Jesus to heal those grudges that we're holding. We need Jesus to heal that sharp edge of anger that keeps making its way out. We need Jesus to heal our attitudes that are not of him. Come on, it's just us. Anybody here be honest enough to admit that from time to time you could use God helping you a little bit with your attitude? Want to slip up your hand? Say, yeah, that would be me. Yeah. I love what he says, Paul wrote in Romans 15. He said, may God, who gives patience, steadiness, and encouragement, help you to live in complete harmony with each other. Read it with me, church. Each with the attitude of Christ toward the other. Each with the attitude of Christ toward the other. What in the world would happen? If those of us who go by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ actually lived with the attitude of Christ. I want to give you three kind of quick thoughts from this story that hit me that I want you to take home. Here's the first one. God is aware of the needs that you're hiding as well as the needs that you're confessing. God is aware of the needs that you're hiding as well as the needs that you're confessing. Again, going back to the man lowered before Jesus, when his friends brought him and they, they laid him at Jesus' feet, I mean, the man obviously couldn't walk, so he had an obvious need for Jesus to heal his lame legs. But what we understand from the story is Jesus knows those things that nobody else knows. He knew about this man stuff that nobody else in the room knew. And again, we don't know what it was, and I don't know exactly why Jesus went to that first. But what Jesus saw was that this man had a need inside of him that was greater than the need on the outside. And so Jesus did First things first, he took care of this need that no one else could see before he took care of the need that everyone could see. And he did that a lot along the way. I, I love in the story in John chapter 4, if you remember the story, there's a, a story about a woman who was a, a Samaritan woman who comes to a well to get a drink of water. And Jesus is sitting at the well by himself and, 
As the woman comes up, Jesus says to her, you know, give me a drink. And the woman like, wow, you know, men generally didn't talk to women out in public like that. And especially Jewish men didn't talk to Samaritan women. And so she's like, you know, wow, you know, I can't, can't believe you're actually asking me for a drink. And Jesus said, you know what, if you, if you knew who you were talking to, you, you'd ask him for some water and he would give you some living water. Now he piques this woman's interest just a little bit. She goes, hey, so I come to this well every day. If you can, if you can give me some water that I won't be thirsty again, I, I want some of that. I love it. Pick it up on your outline. And so Jesus says to her, go and call your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You've certainly spoken the truth. You see, Jesus saw that this woman had a need for something greater than just someone to quench her thirst. She needed someone to heal her heart. She needed someone who could heal her low self-esteem. She needed someone who could heal her from this life that she had been trapped in. You see, Jesus didn't just see the outside. He saw the inside. Look at me. You got to get this. You see, Jesus not only sees the needs that you make aware to everybody else, he not only sees the needs that you mention, he not only sees the needs that you'll talk to him about in prayer, Jesus sees the things that you're trying to hide from him, the things that you don't want to reveal, the things that you really don't want him to know, the things that you really don't want to, he, he sees, yes, he sees what you're confessing, but he also sees what you're hiding. And guess what? He can heal that too. Amen. He can heal that too. Give me another thought. Sometimes God's healing is instantaneous. And other times it's a process. Sometimes God's healing is instantaneous. And sometimes it's a process. You know, I thought it was interesting in this story. It's a little bit different from some of the other stories of Jesus when he healed because if you notice in the story, this lame man didn't immediately jump up from his mat. Jesus didn't deal with that. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And the guy still laid there. And Jesus was taking care of some stuff that needed to be dealt with. And then he knew what the Pharisees were thinking, so he took his time. And it wasn't until a little bit later when Jesus said, I, I, I know you're confused that I, you think I can't do that, but just so you know I can take care of the heart, let me take care of the body too. Pick up your mat and walk. And so it took, it was some time from the beginning of that conversation to when the actual healing took place. Does this make sense to you? And, and I realized as I was reading that, one of the things that hit me is that, you know, sometimes that's what goes on for us as well. Sometimes the healing of God is instantaneous and and sometimes it's a process. I, I loved, um, there was a, Tony Campalo uh, did a message several years ago, and he, he told a story that I, I thought it was really fascinating. He was talking about, he was a, a guest lecturer at a school that was doing a, a spiritual life emphasis week, and uh, he said, the, 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 he was speaking every evening that week, and he said, one night, one night before he spoke, he said, um, there was a woman who came up to the front where he was at, and she had a little boy that she was carrying. 
and said the little boy's legs were kind of twisted and they had, they had braces on. And the woman came up to, to Tony Campalo and she said, I, I, God told me to bring my little boy to you and you are to heal him. And Tony Campalo said, you know, that was a, a little bit intimidating. And he looked at the woman and he said, honey, I am, I'm so sorry. I, I don't really have the gift of healing. He said, you know, we have different kinds of gifts and I, I don't have that one. And she said, but God told me to bring my son to you and you are to heal him. And as she stood there with Tony Campalo, Tony said that the chaplain came over from the school and engaged in the conversation. And as they began to talk, they decided, well, they at least ought, ought to pray for this little boy. And so the chaplain dismissed the audience. He said, if you believe in the power of prayer and you'd like to pray with us as we pray for this boy, you're welcome to stay. The rest of you are, ready, are, are able to leave. And, and they said they took the boy to a back room and said the chaplain got out some, some anointing oil. And he wanted to do what it says in James. And said, if any of you are sick, anoint with oil in the name of the Lord and, and, and all of that. So they said they anointed. And Tony Campalo said, he said, I, I laid my hand on this boy. And he said, I began to pray. And he said, something happened that I'd never experienced before. He said, as, as me and the chaplain and this group of students were praying for this little boy, he said, I just, I felt the power of God just come down in a, in a profound and supernatural way. He said, man, it was, it was like the presence of God was, was so heavy. And he said, it was, it was so overwhelming for me. He said, I, I felt like Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when he said, and Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord. And he said, man, I, I realized I was a man of unclean lips in the midst of a people. He said, I, I could just feel the presence of God and I felt so unworthy. And Tony said, literally in mid-sentence, he said, I, I just quit praying and I I just stepped back because the power of God was there so profoundly. But the little boy wasn't healed. The mother left. Tony said it was three years later, he said he was, he was speaking in the area. and He said this woman came up to him and she said, do you remember me? And Tony looked at her and said, yeah, I remember you. And she said, I want you to see my little boy. And she turned and he said, the little boy came running up to her and his legs were straight and they're healthy. And Tony looked at her and he said, what happened? And she said, you know, we, we went home that night. He wasn't healed there at the service. And she said, we went home that night. She said, but when we got up the next day, she said, he, he started complaining that his legs were hurting and we needed to loosen the braces. And so we did. And he said every day he kept getting up complaining about the braces were too tight. And she said we kept loosening them every day and every day. And she said it just like every day his legs just straightened out until they became completely straight and healthy. It wasn't in a moment. It was over a period of time. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have no idea why God does what he does the way he does it. But what I've discovered is this, is that there are moments in our life when we reach out to God and his healing is right there in that moment and it is instantaneous and it is complete. There are other times it seems like for whatever reason God desires that we go through a process, perhaps because there are things in the process of that healing that we need to learn about ourselves, about faith, about prayer, about trust. I, I don't know. Sometimes it's instantaneous. But sometimes it's a process. Look at me. I just want you to hear my heart. I just don't want you to grow discouraged. Because sometimes when we cry out to God, we, we go, well, God didn't do anything. And sometimes, you know what? It's like that little boy. God is doing something. 
He just doesn't do it all at once. He just does a little bit each and every day. That's why I put this statement on your outline. and said, you know what? You, we usually just want God to remove the pain, but his plan is often much bigger than just our comfort. Let me give you, let me give you one last thought today, and this will be huge for you. God is moved by faith. Even when that faith is for someone else. God is moved by faith. Even when that faith is for someone else. I really found it interesting in this story that when those friends laid their buddy before Jesus, the buddy never spoke a word. He never said to Jesus, Jesus, would you heal me? We don't know whether or not he believed in Jesus at all. The friend may have been telling his buddies, I don't know what you guys, why you guys are doing this. I don't know who this guy is. I'm lame. I've been lame for a while. Nothing's going to change. He, he may have had zero faith whatsoever, but here's the cool part of the story. The Bible says, and when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? The faith of the four friends who lowered him down before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Now, here's why this is so important. As I'm talking about healing today, I know there are, uh, most of us in this room are thinking about the healing that we need, and, and we need a lot. But some of us, we're thinking about some people who are close to us. And we're thinking about some healing that they need. And you're thinking, man, I wish they'd have heard this message. I, I, I wish they were here that they could reach out and claim that healing for themselves. I do too. But you do realize, don't you, that you can stand in the gap for them. That God honors your faith when you bring those friends and those family members before him. I, I, I always love the story of Matthew chapter 8 about this centurion soldier. He's a Roman. This Roman soldier who comes to Jesus, and we don't know anything about his background. He may have didn't may may or may not have known who Jesus was, but for whatever reason, he had confidence that Jesus could do what he could do. And this Roman soldier comes to Jesus, and he says, "I've got a servant at home, and he's sick, and I'm not worthy of having you come to my house." I have authority. All I got to do is command soldiers and they'll go and do, and, and I know you have authority too. And I know if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. Now, we don't know anything about the servant. We don't know anything about the servant's background. Don't know whether he believed in God or believed in Jesus. We don't know anything about him. But here's what happened. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. Read it with me, church. And his servant was healed at that moment. Look at me. Not because the servant had faith, but because the centurion had faith. I'm going to do something in a moment. Um, I was thinking, praying about how to help you respond to this message today. And 
And I want to invite you in just a moment to take a step of faith. Whether you're here present, whether you're online, I'm going to ask Rachel to lead us in a song. It's a, it's a beautiful song. It talks about Jesus being our healer. And, and after we sing that song, I, I want to pray a prayer. But before I pray that prayer, here's what I want you to do. If you need healing today, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, attitudinally, if you need a touch from God, before I pray, I'm going to invite you to stand right where you are as a step of faith, as an act of faith, as an act of saying, Lord, I confess before you, I need that healing. And I'm going to pray over you. Those of you who are watching online, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. There may be some of you, what's heavy on your heart is someone in your life who needs healing. And in just a moment when I do that, I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm just going to invite you to bring them before Jesus. And I'm going to ask God to see your faith on their behalf and do the miracle for them that may, may not even believe that God can do. I want to invite God to do something incredible today, something powerful. I'm going to ask him to meet us here this morning. Do you need the touch of God physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, attitudinally, wherever you are, just stand to your feet to say, I need that healing. I could use that. I need God to touch me right where I am. Or perhaps, again, there's someone on your heart today. You say, Pastor Steve, I've got a friend or a family member, and they're near and dear to me. I know they need the touch of God. And you just want to bring them, lay them at his feet. Just stand where you are. Those of you who are watching online, I know it may feel awkward, but I want you to do the very same thing. Stand right there by your couch, right there by your chair, wherever you're at today. Stand before God as your act of faith and saying, Lord, I need that healing or I've got someone who does. Let me stand in the gap for them. Oh, Lord, we cry out to you today. You are our Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals us. Lord Jesus, everywhere you went when you walked on this earth, people brought you people uh, who suffered from all kinds of things, and you healed them all. Oh, we believe with all of our hearts, you are just the same today. Lord, you see every person in this room who is standing before you. You know exactly where they need healing in their life. Lord, as they stand before you, some are holding up to you friends and family, and you know those friends and family by name. You know what's going on in their life. You know the healing that they need. Your word says that when you saw the faith of those four friends, you responded by healing that person for them. And Lord, we're trusting you today, right here and right now, to pour out yourself in a powerful and profound way. Lord, we need your healing physically. Some of us need you to touch our damaged emotions. Some of us need you to tear down the dividing walls of hostility that exists between husbands and wives, parents and kids, between friends and family members. Some of us need your forgiveness, God. We have failed so badly and we need your grace. We need you to heal our souls. And some of us, Lord, some of us need you to just adjust our minds 
and give us the attitude of Christ. Lord, you know what we need from you today. Just like you knew the need of that man before they ever laid him before your feet. And so would you stretch out your hand right now, dear God. And in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, would you heal them fully and completely by the power of your name. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for meeting us here today. And it's in your precious name that we pray, and God bless you. And all God's people said,